When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How's that for an intro? Just got that cut together today by our good friend Reed Connell, who's actually in studio right now filming a little behind-the-scenes action. Anyways, welcome back to another episode of Who's Number One. The show just keeps on going. The train just keeps rolling down the tracks. And uh, today we have two very, very exciting guests. Gordon Ryan is joining us once again, and his good pal Nikki Rod, also on the call. Fellas, how are you guys doing today? What's new? Good, man. What's happening? Um... <laughs> we got we got kind of Gordon's perspective on, on how he's been staying busy, how he's been staying active during this whole thing. Nikki Rao, what have you been doing? What's your life like lately? Uh, I mean, it really hasn't changed much, man. It's still training uh, every day. Nothing, nothing really stops. You know, uh, the world stops, but the progress does not. You mentioned that uh, a lot of the you've been running into a lot of gym closures and stuff like that. How how are you staying fit? How are you staying active? What are you doing at home? How can people get to look uh, like yeah. you on their own? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I go hunt deer uh, in my in my in my backyard with my bare hands. That's, that's how we do it out here. Um, no, there's a bunch of home workouts. You know, uh, I got lucky. I got a friend that, that has a little private gym that I've been able to use. But uh, you know, I've I've resorted to the prison workouts a few times. You know, a bunch of push-ups and band workouts, and uh, just make it happen. What's your favorite prison workout style exercise? Just a good old push-ups uh, or go something r- else. Yeah, you can't go wrong with push-ups, man. It really boosts the shoulders and chest. Uh, it's a very underlooked workout, man. I, I do it. I do it a lot of chest days, and it's just uh, you know really gets uh, everything that you need in a, in a chest workout. Very nice. So, what do you guys been up to to kill time besides training and working out? You got anything else? That, any new hobbies you're picking up while you're at home? <laughs> we hooked up our Nintendo Switch on our TV in the living room, and uh, I've just been beating Ethan at Mario Kart all day long, so that's always fun. Nikki Rod, have you, have you seen, uh, had a chance to see Gordon's new place, or is that before, or, I mean, this whole thing went down, and you've been sequestered at home? Uh, no, I definitely got to go check it out, man. It's a really nice house and a really nice uh, community. Yeah, he's, he's doing well, man. It's, it's awesome to see. Awesome. Well, do you want to jump right into some, some match footage, Michael? Or No, we- first I was telling Gordon these guys, I want to hear your guys' opinion on this on this Tiger King on Netflix. I know you guys both watched this thing. We'll start with you, Nick. Did you finish this series? Uh, yeah, I did finish it. So it's uh, it's interesting, man. I mean, it, it sucks to see animals in cages, but I mean, it, it's it's a weird argument because at the same time, like they don't want these guys breeding animals that it is an endangered species, and then like kind of a whole life in in prison kind of deal if if they are breeding them. So. I don't know. It's definitely an interesting documentary for sure. 
Somebody here just asked if you're allergic to shirts, Nick. Somebody, somebody in the in the in the comments. Uh, I only wear shirts in, when they're paying me for it. So, unless you guys dish out some money, <laughs> I'm gonna shirt. Who's your favorite character on on Tiger King? Are you a Joe Exotic guy or are you Team Carol, Nick? Oh, Joe jo Exotic, and, and Carol definitely killed her uh, her husband. <laughs> If the cats don't like her, I don't like her, you know? it's uh, Yeah, she definitely did it. Somebody, a funny meme I saw online was how the most normal person on the show is the guy who uh, who went to prison for murdering a federal informant and, and, and cutting his body out. <laughs> that, that guy Mario is the most normal at all. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Gordon, what do you think about the show? Uh, it was an insane show, first of all. Um, you know, you never really know who's in the right and who's in the wrong because, you know, the producer – the producers of the show could just spin it however they want and they can just make it seem like one person did something they can make the narrative whatever they want to um but uh it's it's definitely interesting i think they're all pretty fucked up people i mean everyone likes to love joe but he also has like dozens of people saying how much of a scumbag he is and how much he just uses everybody around him so i mean if you have that many people talking about how much of a scumbag you are you're, there's probably something wrong um Carol is just like disliked by everybody, so I mean she's definitely you know has some has some issues too. Um, I just think it's like a whole group of fucked up people that like it just like snowballed into one thing where everyone is like everyone's in the wrong. I mean everyone's just talking shit about each other. Everyone had to have done something. What about one Doc? Time or another to, Doc's to got like off. five or six wives. What do you guys think about that? He's I think he's, he's winning. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean he's doing the best out of all of them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we already have a, a pretty spicy question for you here in the YouTube comments. Uh, one guy jumped in here, Leo something, Leo Cardistry wants to know Gordon. He's, this, uh, this is this is not coming from me from the YouTube comments. Gordon, why don't you like Keenan? Is the question. <laughs> uh, Keenan is just the kind of guy who like is super nice to your face, but then just like goes behind your back and talks shit, which. I mean, I don't really care, but he does not really doing it. Like, I talk shit about people because I want to have matches with them. Like, Keenan knows that if we actually have a match without the gi, like, it won't even be competitive. Um, but I feel like he just goes behind people's backs and just, like, starts shit for no reason where there's no really – like, there's no gain to it other than – like, there's no, there's no positive gain. that he, Like, he's not getting anything from it. He just does it to be a dick. Um, so, I mean, he's burned a lot of bridges with a lot of people. Like, a lot of people hate him. Um, I just feel like he's the kind of guy who's like super nice, and then like behind your back, he's like always, always doing shit to antagonize you and talk shit. I mean, it is what it is. I don't really get mad at anybody, but um, you know, kind of shitty. It seems like it's a a little theme there between you guys and the Matt Burn thing to begin with, too, because Craig was saying the same type of thing about Hanger the other day. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Hanger is like the biggest scumbag of them all. Like Hanger will. Like, like the thing with Craig, like he he literally just like took a picture with him and cropped crop himself out and made it to be like he was taking a picture because they're going to be in the semifinals and then just like made it like he was trying to compete and he should be kicked out. Um, I mean, I don't know, man. I I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right, so Leo, there's your answer to that question. Uh, all right, plus well, two, Keenan, like Keenan, like what what would come to Henzo's and like learn from us and then like start teaching his, like teaching the moves that we showed him on his website and selling them. So that's like kind of a dick move as well. Like, I don't care if you're going to go out and use the shit that we teach you to fucking beat people, but don't sell it and then like take it and 
post on your own website and sell the shit and make money off of it. So you think you're stealing some of the Danaher techniques and uh, selling or making money off them, basically? But I don't think I know. If he just watches, if he just watches Nogi part of his of his website, it's all the stuff that he learned from us. Oh shit! All right, uh, Nick. That, that you know, speaking of Danaher, something I want to ask you about, uh, Nick. You're you're coming from a, a different sport, a different background, wrestling and everything. What's it like training with these guys in the in the blue basement with Danaher and all these guys? Uh, it sucks. All these guys are uh, tremendous athletes. It's, it's really hard. I mean, any anything I do, we're not athletes. Just, we're just good. It's <laughs> good, yeah. Nick is the only athlete out of the out of the out of the lot of us. <laughs> He's so honest. He's the, there's very few actual like uh, like uh, you know born athletes in there, but these guys move so well and so technical. Uh, that it's just it's just hard to deal with, and no matter how athletic you are. What about what about Danaher as a coach? What's it like uh, learning from him, Nick? Oh, he's a great coach. I mean, everything he does kind of resonates and sticks with you better. You know, he just, uh, um, yeah. I mean, we we attack everything systematically, so you know, there, there's always a, a steps and process towards what we do. So, it, it kind of muscle memory and and your actual memory kind of grasp at the same time, and just leads to uh, tremendous progress. I was going to ask you, uh, Nicky Rod, what's the biggest difference between Danaher's method of coaching and like when you came up in wrestling a little bit? Like, h- how different are those two approaches um, in your experience? Oh, they're they're completely different. Like more, wrestling is, uh, I mean, for for one, when they're coaching, you know, a lot of wrestling coaches are, are, are louder. Um, they're like screaming at you all the time. It's uh, it's just it's just how kind of how it goes. You know, it's a more fast paced practice. Uh, everything is is teach drill, teach drill, and then you go live. You know. Uh, you kind of drill live at the same time as well when you get to that certain level. Uh, here, you kind of focus on techniques specifically and take your drilling really slow and and kind of uh, you know you're thinking as you're moving, um, as opposed to wrestling where you're, you're just kind of reacting. Um, so yeah, it's a lot more, a lot more. Uh, uh, it's a much more intellectual sport, but uh, it's good, man, because it it makes me it forces me to do you know two different paces. I have to be two different kinds of athletes uh, when I'm rolling at the same time. Gordon, maybe you could speak a little bit on uh, Nick's progression because he's had an insanely uh, fast. I mean, how how long had you been training Nick when you went to ADCC? Uh, when I t- when I placed, so I won the West Coast Trials at eight months, um, and then uh, yeah, I guess it was like a year and a half um, for ADCC when I t- when I silver medaled. Yeah, that's just ridiculous. That's like how long most people take to get their blue belt. Uh, Gordon, can you speak a little bit about Nick's progression and how he got uh, good so quick? Yeah, I mean, you know, he's always from day one. He was always had the, he always had like a weird instinctual ability to like stay out of submissions. Um, like most wrestlers come in and they they move well through transitions, but Nick had like a unique way to like get into deep submissions and like still be able to to escape them. And it was just odd. Um, the biggest thing he struggled with was was the uh, the leg locks because whenever you control you know anybody's two legs, they don't really have too many options. Um, but as far as the upper body, it was like insanely hard to submit him, even on like the first like the first month of training. Um, so I was like, okay, well, this is gonna be interesting when he actually knows how to escape the submissions. Um, and then uh, you know now he's at a point where he's like almost impossible to submit upper body and extremely hard to submit lower body. And he's like getting good at back takes and can pass people's guards. And he's developing a you know a full, well-rounded game uh, rapidly. So. Um, you know, every day it's more of an issue. I like go to show him something, and I'm like, should I really show him this now, or should I wait like eight months? <laughs> um, but uh, it's uh, it's coming along for sure. He's doing actual jiu-jitsu now, so I'm happy about it. 
So uh, going into ADCC, uh, I'm not going to lie. When I filled out my bracket, I had you losing to, to Ali first round, Nick. I, I doubted you. Like a lot of people probably did. But, Gordon, what did you think when you saw that bracket? You saw you had Ali and then probably two ADCC champs. Did you think he was going to make it through those guys? I was like – I was thinking – it's up in the air. Like, Nicky Rod definitely could win these matches. Like, on, this, on any given day, he could walk in and beat any of these guys. Um, the question is, was he going to lose and make, like, some stupid tactical decision that, like, lost in the match where he didn't really know what the rules were or, you know, whatever the case is. Um, so I was, like, up in the air between – I knew he could beat the guys, but I was going to be like, oh, well, does he get, you know, caught in closed guard and stalled out and, like, loses the ref decision or something because he doesn't know how to open a closed guard. Um, but – uh you know, he made it work. He, just, he didn't really know anything, but he made it work. <laughs> did, you, did you know a lot about these guys going into it, Nick? Or uh, how much did you know about Dude, your opponents? He, he didn't even know their names. <laughs> no. You asked Nicky Rod. Dude, I'm like, I, I, he's like, oh, I'm competing. I'm, I'm competing next week, and I'm like, oh, who's in the bracket? He's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I just show up and make it happen, man. Honestly, I, I didn't do any studying going to ADCC. Um, I just, uh, I kind of had a game plan for if they pull guard or if they stood with me and I visualized their face, I visualized their body, you know, how they're going to react, uh, if they were standing as, and then how they're going to react if they're seated. And those are my only two, uh, options. You know, I, I, re- I really can only, you know, pass from the open guard or take down a, a, into side control and into a back attack kind of deal. So I didn't have so too many options to have a really in-depth game plan. Uh, I just kind of just went out there with the basics that, that I knew basics I was training for that, you know, period of time and uh, just really, you know, bet all my money on the, on the simple things that I, that I knew. Uh, Nikki, you're in a kind of strange position where you've already made it to the final of ADCC, the, you know, the pinnacle of submission grappling. Um, that might be the uh, cause to burn out for some athletes where they've almost reached their goal. You know, what do you really want to achieve in the sport? Obviously, you would love to win ADCC, but what else matters to you about, about jiu-jitsu? Uh, I, th- I think, I think, I think our group, you know, me, Gordon, and a few so like others can take this sport to next, to the next level, you know, uh, yeah, we, we don't know where it's headed, but it's, it's just at a progressing at a rapid rate. So we're just going to keep, keep grappling, keep putting on entertaining matches. We want it to be a spectator sport and, uh, we really do think, and we believe that it's headed in that direction. So, uh, yeah, we're just going to keep, you know, promoting it as much as we can and, and, you know, we build up profit from there and just keep on, uh, keep on competing, man. Make it entertaining. We're, we're trying to turn this this sport into submission wrestling. More, more takedowns, more submissions, more, uh, just more of an offensive game all around. Speaking of uh, being professional and entertaining, uh, am I correct that I heard that you tried out for the WWE? Was that something that happened? Or ongoing? Yes, yeah. <laughs> what, what was what was yeah. that like? And it just I don't know much about that world at all. Pro wrestling is definitely outside my my realm. But you know, how did that all go down? Well, I always watched WWE growing up. Uh, just you know, it was always on TV, so we grabbed it. You know, Friday, Saturday nights, or Monday, whatever. Um, but yeah, like I filled out an application one day just because we had a few wrestlers swing by, um, like South Jersey BJJ. I ended up talking to them. They convinced me to fill out an application, and like two weeks later. Uh, I got an email from WWE, and they were like, "Come up, come for out, come out for a tryout." Uh, it was like a three or four day tryout. Uh, they really just tested like our endurance, how fit we were, uh, how coachable we were, and um, yeah, they. It was like forty of us. I think they they flew out and put up in a hotel for three or four days, and uh, and trained us. Yeah, it was a great experience. I got to meet a bunch of uh, Hall of Fame WWE wrestlers and current wrestlers, and. Um, 
Yeah, they invited me back for a second tryout. Um, didn't make the initial cut, but they, they invited me back for a second tryout. So I'll get to that eventually um, when this whole thing's over. So it's up in there. You know, I'm still, still chasing goals. Uh, I'm just having so much fun with, with BJJ. Uh, I just really want to keep uh, keep grappling, man. It's it's just uh, I look I look forward to it every day. I look forward to every training session, every time I lift, and especially you know every time I compete. It sucks it's been a month or so since I've competed, but uh, I'm definitely hungry to get back out on that. Who were your favorite wrestlers when you were uh, when you were a kid watching them? You said you used to watch them when you were younger. Yeah, I liked uh, Triple H, The Undertaker, uh, The Rock. Can't go wrong with. Uh, oh, I was a big fan of all of it, honestly. You, you think you'd be the type of guy that jumps off the top rope? Can you do that Dude, stuff? I'm can you a, flip? I'm, 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 I can do anything. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a real athlete. I promise that. <laughs> uh, uh, something. A, a few fans in the uh, comments have already asked this question uh, for both of you guys. I'll let uh, Gordon go first, and then go back to Nick. Uh, do, do you guys plan on going to MMA in the future? People want to know. Uh, so for me, it's still up in the air. Uh, as, right now, at least, um, we talked about it as a team after I finished. I had a really heavy competition schedule uh, in December. Um, initially, I was supposed to start fighting right away. And then I was actually supposed to start fighting last year. And then I hurt my knee. And then I had a rehab and then jumped right into the camp for ADCC. Um, but right now, because Gary's fighting and we still don't have the too many other senior members in jiu-jitsu, um, right now I'm going to be the senior member leading – our for our like the leader for our brand in jiu-jitsu and gary's going to be the guy that's carrying our flag in mma right now um so like next year for example if nikki wins the the absolute or you know, my brother comes up and starts beating gets a little you know more mature and starts beating you know all, all the guys out there if one of the other juniors come up and start start winning like i'm winning uh then i'll probably hop over to start fighting um for but at least for right now i'm gonna stick with jiu-jitsu and gary's gonna be the one to start fighting what about you nick you got any mma aspirations in the future uh, I don't think so, man. It's a question I get asked a lot. Um, I think I would do well in the cage. Uh, the whole striking thing, it's just, it's just tough, though, because it would, I'd be starting now. Like, I'd be so far behind the curve of guys that are my age been striking for five, ten years. Um, I don't know. It's definitely something, something to contemplate and I've been thinking about for a while. But uh, in the near future, I'd say no. Um, Jiu-Jitsu is just becoming too, too profitable. It's like, why would I hop in the cage and get my face beat in? And I make more money than this guy fucking wrestling. I'm playing around on the mat, you know. So uh, I don't see it in the near future, especially if, uh, you know, our sport keeps progressing the way it has been. Do you guys uh, – a couple people have asked about you guys competing in the gi. Do you guys train in the gi ever? Or okay. No, never. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever put one on, Nick? Yeah, I put – they made me wear it for like the first two weeks. Uh, <laughs> wear it for a couple classes. And then – and then uh, I honestly just show, start showing up to gi classes in no gi. I was like, either you're gonna take me or you're gonna kick me out. And they just like they were like, all right, dude, we'll, we'll go with it. So you tear the sleeves off, maybe Gordon, do a hybrid. Yeah, <laughs> Gordon, you ever put the uh, you ever put the uh, gi on these days? Uh yeah, I can't. I train occasionally in the gi. It's something I want to do more. Um, I know for a fact that I want to at least teach in the gi. Um, I want to be competent and I want to be able to be a good teacher. Um, I, I pride myself more on my ability to teach than my ability to compete. I think that being able to teach someone else to do good jujitsu is um, is more of a sign that you're good at the sport than actually being able to than just going out and beating people. Because there are a lot, there's a lot of people who are good at winning, but not a lot of people who are good at teaching other people. Um, so I want to be I want to be competent in the gi so I can actually teach others how to how to be good in the gi. Um, whether or not I'm going to compete right now, to no. Um, but if I get bored and no gi just becomes 
more uncompetitive than it is right now, then maybe I'll just get bored beating everybody up without the gi and start competing in the gi. But um, as of right now, it's a no. Gordon, uh, obviously the biggest change, well, maybe not obviously, but arguably the biggest change would be grips and how that affects basically all aspects of jiu-jitsu. What would you change, what would change the most about your game for gi jiu-jitsu um, if you had to n- narrow it down to one or two things? Um, well, for, for starters, my guard passing would have to change. Um, a lot of the stuff where I do with the float passing and the leg palm line doesn't work. Um, if someone just grabs a grip, you can use it. Um, but if you have a good gripper, for example, someone who likes to play, um, with, with pan grips, it makes it hard to leg pommel. Um, so it would be focused a lot more on long step passing and getting into half guard to pass from there, which I already passed well from half guard, but, um, be using a lot more Toriandos and long step passing rather than going in and floating to get to a half guard. Um, and from bottom, it would remain the same. It would be, if guys play in their knee, it would be a Sumigachi game, but instead of having overhooks it would be sleeve belt grips or underhooks belt um and it would remain an ashigurami i'd add a spider guard probably in there but it probably would remain have uh, rely heavily on an ashigurami type game from bottom position very cool hear that uh technical gi talk people don't know that gordon knows this stuff i remember when you broke down the marigali airbirth match and you're talking about grips it really blew everybody's mind but uh all right we wanted to yeah. pull up our uh first I'm not match. terrible yeah <laughs> <laughs> We wanted to pull up our first match that we're going to show today. We're going to show like basically almost this entire thing. I just cut out the uh, the, the times when uh, you know you're taking little breaks or whatever. This is Cyborg versus Nick. So what do you think of going into this one, Nick? <laughs> Dude, I was just like, there's no way this old dude's going to outwork me. I'm just fucking go as hard as I can for these 20 minutes and just see how it goes. How about that technical analysis? <laughs> so, you did, how, what, what did you know about him? Did you, so, you, you didn't know that he was an ADCC champ or anything like that? Well, I mean, I, I know the I know the basics. You know, he was, he's a really big name. He's he's won or placed in ADCC, um, you know, multiple times. Uh, I just knew his persona, um, and I knew that he was going to probably pull guard. And the second you know guy hit the whistle, I hit him with a with a club, and he sat on his ass immediately. And uh, to me, that's yeah, that's uh, you're playing defense. You know, you're you're, you're uh, you're coming in. I don't know. Not really my world because I'm uh, I'm standing on top of him, but I, I'm just I'm more comfortable on my knees on, on the on the feet that I am on the ground. So uh, to me, that was an advantage for me. So I just try to stay on top of him, get past his guard as much as I could. Um, I had a few few moments where I you know I was able to circle, kind of get to the back, but uh, you know here he's just kind of uh, I, I've really never seen this before. Like he's posting his knee like on my hand and hip and kind of trying to kick me away. Um, I, I've seen it a few times, but not, not something that, uh, that happens to me often. Um, so that was kind of new. So I had to make some adjustments, like uh, kind of, you know, have my base uh, more weighted, more more centered. So I, could, I wasn't like getting kicked over and he could, you know, potentially come, kind of come up on a takedown. Here he kind of just like, uh, you know, circled back in. I, my, I like to do my, my Nika pass and then, you know, they either like to go uh, north. I like to circle north-south or go kind of a turtle kind of deal. But um yeah, uh, he's just playing a, a really basic basic game, uh, and it's I don't know. It was, it was my first time in this uh, this kind of like environment. ACC was a crazy experience, man. It was uh, especially this match. You know, everybody was watching this. Gordon, uh, what did you think uh, about Nick matching up here? Because you obviously you knew more about Cyborg. You had competed against him before. What did you think uh, your training partner's chances were going in here? How did you think he matched up? Uh, well, first of all, I didn't actually watch this match. I was competing against Lucas on the opposite match, yeah. on the, uh, the other mat. Um, but going in, I knew, obviously, that he had Cyborg. Um, 
my thought was going to be uh, Ken, Nicky. I, I mean, to be honest, I didn't think Nick was going to get close to his back. I mean, Cyborg is notorious for playing a tornado guard. He pretty much built his game off a of bottom open guard. Um, so I'm like, it's not really – the chance of Nicky passing him really aren't that great. Um, but he actually, like, did to get past his legs and, like, almost took his back a bunch of times. Um, so going in, I was like, is is Nicky going to be able to remain active enough and not get a stalling call long enough to go to overtime to hit a takedown? Um, but that's just not how the match went at all. And Nicky actually, they went back and forth. Like Cyborg came up on a few sweeps, almost got him down. He got to that back triangle slash armbar that he slipped out of. Then Nicky almost came back and took his back. It was like one of the most action-packed matches of all time, um, which is like not ex- not what I expected at all. I expected Cyborg to kind of not really be in it be able to do anything from bottom and Nikki to kind of, you know, go for a few guard passes, but not really get anything crazy going. Uh, and then the match would be decided in overtime, but that's just not what happened at all. <laughs> How hard is Nick to sweep? Uh, he's hard to sweep. The only, the, the only thing that really confuses Nick is, uh, is when you get control of both of his legs with either like some kind of takedown or some kind of Ashigurami, but to actually get to his legs is, is a big issue. Um, if you try like any upper body sweeps like Sumigeshi's or butterfly sweeps or anything like that, it's uh, it's not an easy thing to uh, to get to get him over. And even if you do get him over, like getting him like knocked down to a hip is not really the hardest part. The hardest part is like to get on top of him and actually control him long enough to score. So Nick, what are you thinking uh, here? I mean, you're pretty new to you're pretty new to submission grappling. You're going against <clears throat> the vet cyborg. What, what's your strategy right here in this this part? Um, honestly, I was I was trying to get him as tired as I can. So I was just like pushing, pulling, circling, just try, really trying to get him to use as much energy and carry my weight as much as possible. Because I knew, uh, you know, I, I had the advantage going into overtime. So I'm, I'm more active. You know, I'm a wrestler. I I knew I could pull it out. So I was just really just trying to drain his energy. Uh, I was I was trying to pass when I saw opportunity. You know, here here I wish like looking back, I see so many like missed opportunities. Like I fucking. It's it's so crazy what what a couple months of, of uh, jujitsu, especially th- with these guys, can uh, can teach you. Uh, yeah, and man, just just simple things he's doing, like this. You know, he has he's being lazy. He has that leg on my shoulder? That's a pass right there. I have so so many missed opportunities. But uh, yeah, if I could if I could go back, I'd probably uh, you know maybe maybe play step in it, step through his guard a little bit, let him let him go inverted on me. You know, I I've, uh, I have much more experience now, so yeah, yeah, man. I just wish I could uh, go back with the knowledge and technique that I have now. Gordon, if you were if you were in the corner, if you're coaching Nick right here, what would you be telling him to do? Uh, force him into a half guard and start to start to try to get to either body lock passes or head and arm passes. Cyborg's not really using his hands at all to use cross shoulder posts or really any posts on Nicky's shoulders. Um, so he's just kind of accepting a half guard. You see, Cyborg's like hands really aren't doing anything um, for the most part. I guess occasionally he takes like a grip on the wrist, but he's not. He's not controlling Nikki's shoulder line at all, so it's pretty easy for Nikki to get to a body lock pass here or a head, top head and arm. There's multiple times where he got his uh, his hand inside. See how his hand and elbow are both inside top, Cyborg's top leg? Cyborg kind of just allows that. So it's pretty easy to force him into a half guard from here. What do you guys think Cyborg is trying to do here? You know, Obviously, he's conserving some energy. He probably expects this to go into overtime. Um, what kind of looks do you think he might have been looking for at this moment? I mean, he's not really – he's mostly a reactive player. Like, he's not really – he's not really doing too much here besides trying to get his guard pass and trying to get control of Nikki's grips. But there's not – he's not actively going for any sweeps. It's kind of just Nikki pushing forward and Cyborg not really – he hasn't really attempted a sweep yet. He, he's kind of just feeling Nikki out, trying not to get past from here. 
Are you pretty confident in the ADCC rules, Nick, uh, given your your wrestling experience and how much takedowns are emphasized? Uh, yeah, I was I was pretty confident going into it. Uh, the thing is, it's just so hard to score points in ADCC. Like you, you literally, if you're talking wrestling terms, you have to pin your opponent uh, for three seconds or get boots in. Like it's it, it's impossible, uh, not impossible, but to to these guys that, that specialize in keeping legs out and and uh, you know they're really good from turtle and uh, really good at, at pushing guys away. It's it's hard to score takedown. You know, to initially sit somebody to the mat, that's one thing, but to keep them down, hold them down, and control them, whole different ball game, man. So, uh, yeah, I remember the first time, like, I, I saw I saw Cyborg shoulders. Like, I was able to cut and kind of get his back for a few seconds. It was like smelling blood in the water, man. I, I just wanted to turn it up and kind of kind of keep, keep that pace. So about right now, we're about two and a half left. And a lot of the same. So, do you do you think Cyborg was trying to pl- uh, play for the end and try and try and score at the end, or try and get something at the end? Because it doesn't seem like going to overtime would be a smart move with you, considering that he would have to wrestle with you. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's honestly, I think he's just trying to get uh, get me into his guard, or kind of like uh, you know, get get a sweeper, just get on top of me, and tries to go for the sub. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's really it's so hard to sweep me. Gordon has a hard time sweeping me, so you know, I, I just always keep that in the back of my mind whenever I'm grappling somebody. I'm like. You know, it's uh, it's a different level, man. Man, yeah, there was a lot of action going on this time. You got Kainan and uh, Buchecha go flying through the frame right there. Gordon, you were fighting right now too. Yeah, I was fighting Lucas. I yeah. knew that. I knew that the match with Nikki had to be super yeah. exciting because uh, I was like fighting Lucas and like nothing in our match was happening. So I'm like, they can't be yelling for me. Like, Nikki has, <laughs> like something has to be happening over there next to me. Yeah, man, it's one of the craziest events I've ever had to to cover because it was just. Match after match after match, just big, big names, a lot of action, big takedowns. And the fact that you can go out of bounds always makes for a lot of excitement. It's a, it's a fun tournament to cover. How strong is Cyborg? You guys have both competed against him a couple of times. How strong is he when – because he looks strong as strong as hell. How, how strong is he when you tie up with him? He's not that strong. He uh, he gasses fast. You know, his initial, like, his, like, strong hand squeezes, I guess, for, for the first two or three minutes, and he gets all tired and soft. Um, yeah, he's a tough competitor, but he's not, he's not that strong. Yeah, I mean – can't, you can't really, you can't you can't grip it. You can't. It's hard to hold me. So you know, I don't really feel the strength that much. But like even when I did, you know, um, it just really wasn't that. It wasn't it's one of the super key impressed. exchanges here in the match. Yeah, create a little exposure. Yeah. Ooh, boom! He he just wasted all his energy doing that. And here we're like, okay, thank you. Toss that. Yeah. Circle back. He, he, he a lot. Yeah, and just keep circling. Yeah, like that, I mean, like a few, that slam a few... that he did to Nikki. Like that wasn't really necessary. He could have just like knocked him over but he's like chose to stand up with nikki over his head like it he's he is strong don't get me wrong but he's he just uses a lot of unnecessary energy so the isometric strength fades pretty quickly because he he uses it so inefficiently so here we are 40 seconds left in the match Gordon, last week, um, being efficient with your strength was like a, a big area of emphasis throughout the technique and match breakdowns that we ran. Uh, how you, how are you trying to teach that to Nicky Rock? Because Nicky Rock is an explosive <laughs> guy. His technique is not quite at the same level where yours it's is yet. It's an issue. <laughs> but uh, I, is that something you're trying to convey to him? Because Nicky Rock's game seems to be about explosive and athleticism. Uh, athleticism. Yeah, well, Nicky Nicky Rod is always gonna. I don't I don't try to teach him my game. Um, he's he's always gonna have a different game than I than I will. Um, if you look at my game, uh, it's similar to Hodger's. It's about it's all about negation of movement. I, I know that I'm not super athletic and I don't move very fast, so 
my whole goal is to not move faster than my opponent. It's to make my opponent move slower than I am. Um, whereas Nikki has a, ga- a game similar to Gary, um, where they, m- they have a great potential for, for positive movement. Um, so he can create scrambles and use that to his advantage. Um, so he's, he's going to have a different game than I am. So from a little bit further back, Caleb, let's go back to before this arm lock attempt near the end. Yeah, there it goes. Fine. So walk us through this, Nick, what you're thinking, what's that was, going on That here. was a mistake. I, I, I shouldn't have stepped over. I just I thought I was going to be able to kick out of that. Uh, yeah, so I just fucking gave him my bag for doing that little just a rookie mistake. No reason I should have stepped over. I should, I should have always faced him, gave him the ankle. And here I know he was going to go try to get boots on, so I gave him the arm. As soon as I gave him the arm, he just lets me push his foot over my face, and I was able to fully extend and, and circle to the back. And here I just take a hook. So I see there's like three seconds left. I'm like, fuck, I got to get boots in. And they called time right there. Uh, I think that was the second time I, I kind of uh, almost got to his back. So pause it real quick, Caleb. So uh, people uh, people on his, on their camp sort of attributed that arm lock to why he should have won the ref's decision. Did you? Was there anything there, or was that nothing? No, it was ne- it was never tight at all. It was it, it was uh, I extended it so my the inside of my arm was facing his uh, his hips, so he had no uh, no extension. Um, and that's how we get out of our arm locks. You know, we push it forward, we get, we free the feet from the face, and we uh, circle to the back. Actually, to, to chime in there real quick, I wrote uh, an article after ADCC about how to win a decision, and I spoke with Peter, the head ref from ADCC, and it was because uh, Cyborg's reaction was a, a counter movement. That's defensive, like we were saying there. Okay. <laughs> and so yeah, that Nikki does not count. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Nikki gets the offensive uh, edge there. So Nick, so then the, I cut. The I scoring cut criteria is who's, who's the initiator. All right, good to know. Nick, I cut out the the break in between, so we're going to go straight to the overtime. What are you thinking in between overtime? Was Were you like, all right, now I, you were trying to wear him out. You're like, I got him where I want him. What are you thinking? <clears throat> yeah, I knew he was pretty tired, so I was just trying to uh, key forward and kind of uh, get a takedown. He, he kind of uh, sat pretty quick. I thought he was going to stand a little bit more. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I was still new to the rules, so, you know, I was uh, was really just trying to key forward and, and show dominance the whole time and try to uh, attack and get the takedown, get the side control. My whole match, my whole game plan is get, get the side control uh, that way I could force them, you know, to turtle and then take their back. That was my, my whole game plan. So the whole time, no matter overtime, because in any rule set, that gets you the win. Take down, side control, back. That that gets you in. So that's what I'm trying to do every single match the whole time. You said you wanted to wear him out. Did he look tired in between the regulation and the overtime round? Oh, he was gassed, man. You know what, what I do in between matches or in between, like, rounds or something? I, I give it a little jog. And I look I look my opponent straight in the eye, and uh, they usually blink and, and fucking walk away. And right there, right there they lose. <laughs> Explain this Nicky Rod flex between the overtime round a little bit. I gotta, I gotta be on the lookout for this thing. Yeah, you can see it in the Orlando match too, right? When we're when we're running, uh, when we're we're, we're we get pushed out of bounds, and Orlando sees me jog back to the center of the mat, and he looks at me, and he's like, "Oh fuck," and just gives a little jog, and it's like uh, it's like little things like that. Fuck, fuck with your opponent mentally, and uh, you know, uh, uh, I've been doing that shit for a long time, so it's uh, it's definitely ingrained in me. So it's not an issue, you know. It's just another part of me. I'm. I'm always on the jog. I'm always on the move. So, uh, and, you know, I feel like if I'm, my hands are on my knees, I'm, I'm losing the match. So I just keep it going. That's, a, that's definitely a very uh, wrestling type of thing. Uh, I mean, I, I grew up wrestling. I follow wrestling. And, like, I, I always see that in the international level where, like, the, the Russians or whoever are getting tired and the, the Americans are always running back to the middle. They want, to, they want to make a point of, like, hey, I'm not tired, you know. But, exactly, uh, exactly. All right. Okay, let's move on to this overtime round now. So now he can't pull guard on you. 
Nikki, you must be feeling confident then, given the fact that you, you must be, feel like the superior wrestler in the situation. What were you looking for here? Uh, here I was just looking to go inside tie. And uh, the, the, so the problem I had, they said if I put my hand on the mat, which is like in my low stance before I go for my shot, um, they was gonna, they're going to pull as guard and give me a negative one. So uh, I had to attack, you know, upper body and, and try to kind of – my goal here, I'm trying to snap him to the mat or snap him to open up a shot. Uh, now, I know he has a really good front head, so I was uh, weary of, you know, giving him, give him my neck or, or going for kind of a straight-on double. Uh, what I wanted to do is snap him, uh, kind of clear the hands a little bit, and go for an outside single leg. Uh, but here I just have his, I have my overtime yanking on, on the head, get him nice and worn down. This is where I shine. You know, guys hate it. He's just walking backwards, shaking his head a little bit. He doesn't want he doesn't want none. You know, I can see he wants this shit to be over, and I'm just fucking gaining momentum. Snapping again. He's, he's giving me that shit. I'm low, getting ready to take my shot. He backs up. Making my bitch right now. Hand tied, pulling the <laughs> neck a little bit. No problem. I can do this all day. Uh, as long as this guy this guy sits on his ass, this, this is my sitting on my ass. When I'm standing up, hand fighting. I can do this for hours. Hours I can, I can hand fight. Never get fucking tired. Trey takes that shot. No problem. Get out of here. Right back <laughs> in, baby. <clears throat> Hands on him. Just walking backwards the whole fucking time. It's okay. And I'm weary. I'm weary. You know, I I know I know uh, my gas tank is uh is fucking running. We've been we've been going at it. You know, uh, fucking still hand fighting. Want the I want the shot, but I want, I don't want to get fucking subbed. You know, right at the end because I feel I feel like I'm showing more dominance. I feel like I'm winning the match right now. So I'm weary of taking taking a, a shot to to uh you know and, and eventually get uh potentially giving up giving up my neck or something something that's unnecessary. Do you find yourself getting guillotined in class, like in training with, with Gordon and those guys? Is that uh, a weapon they're able to use against you? No, no, I, it doesn't no. happen that often. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's happened it's happened a few times, but not not nearly as much as it should. Like I'm I, I'm pretty pretty weary of that. The second I get in, I'll run away if if somebody's touching my neck or I have too much space there. Um, so yeah, it's and it's it, like I can't see it happening in competition, but fucking, it's just it's ADCC. I'm like I'm not gonna take any unnecessary risks, so I just stood on the feet, kept pushing them backwards, and try to get try to get those uh, just, just try to wear them down as much as I could and, and show dominance the whole time, initiate everything. How much time we got left? A couple minutes left. I got just over two minutes. It looks like he shot on you there. Oh, he, this, is, this is a shot yep. to, to get a guard pull, though, right? This is an ADCC uh, shot to get a guard pull, yeah. probably right. So Gordon, what do you think Nick should have done here to keep Cyborg from being able to pull off of the shot? I mean, if the guy has his hands locked, it's hard um, initially because all he has to do is keep his hands locked for three seconds, and then he can sit. Um, Nick's best option would have been to uh, the second he grabbed the single was would be to stuff his head between the legs and use a use a reverse tight waist to uh, to knock him down to a hip, and then start going behind him and either exposing a top pin and side control or forcing sideboard the turtle and putting a hook in. But Nick, it's hard. You... You saw the same thing with Paul and Meow. <clears throat> Nick, are you thinking of the ref's decision at this point? Are you thinking that you have the ref's decision or are you thinking it's still up in the air with a no, minute left? I, right, right now, I'm just uh, – I know I only got, I got short time, so I'm just going as hard as I can. I'm trying to pass. Uh, you know, I, I, I want to get points the, the whole time, so I'm just, I'm just focused on – Kind of stay on the outside, staying out of danger. At the same time, attacking my strong points, which is my call wheel passes, my knee cuts, and stuff like that. What and so many missed opportunities. Like now, I would pass totally differently. I'd see I'm just wasting, wasting unnecessary energy. Just so many movements that just are uncalled for. 
All right, coming down to the final stretch. Are you aware of the time at this point? You know that there's less than a minute left? Uh, maybe, yeah. I, I can hear my I – th- I know I heard Jay yelling at me, you know, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, like just push the pace. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, Gordon, what do you think about the ref's decision in here? I know uh, the fight sports camp thought it was controversial. What do, you, do you think that Nick was the clear victor here? I mean, all the initiations, based on the scoring criteria, all the initiations were definitely for Nick. Um, all the moves at Cyborg Kit were pretty much reactive. Um, so based on the criteria of ADCC, I think that for sure Nick won, Nick won the match. What, what did pretty you much think? He took, he, took two, he took two shots against my, well, I don't know, 25 uh, attempts at, at passing guards. So... Uh, right there, and the scrambles that we get that we get did go in. I came out victorious. You know, when he took the arm, I took his back. Uh, when he when he dumped me, which, which was literally just for show, it did no purpose and did give him gave him no advantage. I fucking tossed him and made a highlight reel. So uh, I won fair and square. And then the second time, you know, I saw him soon after that, or a couple months after that, and uh, it was uh, it was a bad day for him. Uh, what happened after the match? Uh, I know things got pretty tense over there. Did anybody say anything to you, Nick? Or I mean, I know there was a lot of uh, people pissed off about the decision. No, the only person that said something to me was uh, was Cyborg. He was, uh, you know, a little bit emotional. This is my favorite part of the match right here. And he just cries. Oh man! Oh, what? I can't believe it. You, oh, you lost. Oh my God! It's a, it's a shame, man. He's just so stressed out. You know, that's hard to live like that, man. Chillax. What did he say to you after the match? You said he said something to you? He said, oh, I won. I took armbar. I was like, well, you didn't get your hand raised, so. We actually have that moment, I think, in the film, which uh, Black Belt Slayer will be running after this podcast. So if you guys haven't watched that yet at home, definitely stay tuned. It's a pretty high-action, high-energy-paced documentary. All right, pretty funny question here in, in the comments from a guy named Little Rock. He says, Gordon, do you think Nicky Ryan could handle Keenan for you? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Nikki now, I think if he competed against, if he competed against Keenan in a no time limit match, he would absolutely beat him like 10 out of 10 times. If he competed against Keenan under an ATCC rule set, uh, he could definitely win. I mean, Keenan's definitely a lot bigger and a lot more experienced. So, um, that definitely does play, play, uh, play a role, but, um, in a no time limit match or an EBI match, for example, Nikki wins 10 times out of 10. It's not, not close. All right. So before we get to our next asset, uh, which is this was pretty funny. Usually when I when I talk with people about what matches to play, they they want sorry to sorry we're sorry when people talk about Nikki. I was I'm thinking about Nikki Rod, my brother. Nikki Rod could definitely be Keenan. Now they're talking tables. about your brother. We were talking about your brother. All right, now okay, go to, yeah, now brother. go to Nikki. Okay. Now go to Nikki. <laughs> Nikki Rod. Now go to Nikki Rod, Keenan. Uh, let's hear your prediction there. <laughs> uh, well, Nikki would definitely Nikki would definitely beat him. I mean, I've watched him train before. Nikki pretty much just handles Keenan from every different position. So. Uh, it wouldn't be close under really any rule set without the gi. So the only thing, the only way I could see Keenan maybe winning a decision is against like Nick and in a IBJJF rule set, where like uh, they give him a decision. Um, but in like an EBI rules or ADCC, um, I think even a no time limit match, I think Nicky wins. So something pretty funny to me was, you know, usually when I, I talk with people and I ask them what matches to show, they want to they want to show their highlights, they want to show the stuff that they're doing good. I talked with you, Gordon, the other day after Felipe was on here. You said you, said you wanted to uh, analyze a Felipe match. So I got the text match. Before we go into it, what do you think about Felipe's comments the other day about uh, a proposed third match with, with you guys? I mean, listen, I would love it to compete against Felipe. 
Um, it doesn't really make a difference whether I compete against Felipe or anybody else in the world. I just want to compete against everybody. Um, at this point, I don't need Felipe. Um, you know, he's coming off two losses back-to-back without the Gi, uh, one via submission. Um, I mean, <coughs> Felipe, is, he's always has, he always has these crazy demands. He either wants a crazy amount of money or he wants – a, one rule set and then we agree to it and he wants to change the rule set the same thing that happened with the first fight he wanted it was an hour ebi overtime rules then he wanted 30 minutes then he wanted he, just wanted to, he wants to change the rules all the time you can never get a straight answer out of um and i've been trying to negotiate with this uh with promoters since 2017 adcc um and i'm just sick of negotiating with them like he agreed to a no time limit match it just I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm finished. I mean, I don't really need, I don't need Felipe anymore. No one, no one cares. I mean, the only people who are going to say, Oh, what about Felipe Pena are just people who absolutely hate me. No one actually knows. No one actually thinks he's going to win a match against me. Like he's, he's looked embarrassing in his last few matches. I have just been crushing everyone. I mean, it's just a joke at this point. Do you think people try and price themselves out of matches with you? Well, I mean, Galvao asked for a million dollars. So I think that's a pretty legitimate answer right there. <laughs> Uh, Nick, if we saw uh, Felipe Pena, Gordon number three, how do you think it goes down, Nick? Uh, I, dude, it's uh, Gordon so far out of everybody else's realm. It's uh, it's disturbing, truly. Um, it, it, it's to be shot in a million, man. Gordon, you don't want that one just to shut up the people on Instagram? It's got to be worth it just for that. I mean, I, I mean, sure, but I mean, the people on Instagram are never going to shut up. I mean, it's always going to be something. <laughs> You know, people are still talking to me about the Vinny match. Uh, you guys see what Nicky Rod did to Vinny like two months ago? Like, yeah. these people are just clueless. They have no idea like how how good we get in the time span that we that we have. Like, six months for us is like fourteen years for everybody else. It just we get better so much faster than everybody else, and nobody else even trains seriously. Half these guys are sitting on the beach half the time and not even taking their. I know hobbyists who train more than half these guys. It's insane. There is the extended vacation mentality. I, I do see that out there a lot. Um, we have a question here in the comments. Do you guys see bodybuilding as an essential uh, complement to jujitsu? And may, maybe just uh, you can apply that to a broader approach of strength and conditioning. But go ahead, Nikki. I think <laughs> I know Nikki Rod's answer. Chicks you want to get, bro? Depends how many chicks you want to get, my dude. Uh, it's definitely necessary uh, to lift, man. I got to be honest, if if uh, if you're not lifting, you're kind of, you're kind of missing out in a in a big aspect of, of jujitsu. If you're if you're the same, you have the same technique and same athleticism as your opponent, and you're just a little bit stronger, dude, you're gonna win that match nine times out of ten. So um, a little bit of strength goes a long way, especially for those guys that are cutting weight, man. If you want to be the biggest guy in your in your weight class, um, but uh, yeah, bodybuilding it, it's a way to way to look good and stay healthy, and I really do think it, it helps the cardio and the muscle endurance, man. When you're on the mat, you know. Sometimes you got to squeeze your rear naked choke for a minute and a half, and a lot of these guys gas, uh, and you know, not us. You know, we, we're out there. We'll, we'll get that choke. We'll eventually we'll finish it. Um, for me, obviously, I think that it helps a lot. Um, if you actually look at studies, um, it's not possible. Uh, naturally, at least, to improve your VO2 max by that much. If you start taking EPOs and stuff like that, obviously, you get a big jump. But um, naturally, you can't make your cardio that much better. Um, so that's why we put a big emphasis on efficiency. Um, everyone else tries to improve their cardio, which you'll never really get to, to be too much better. Um, it has most, most, uh, mostly to do with uh, genetic genetics. Um, but I do feel that in jiu-jitsu – 
because I'm so efficient. I don't redline most of the time. Like I don't get completely exhausted to the point where I'm going to die. Um, but when I lift, I feel like I'm going to die every single session, like doing like four sets of 20 leg press to squat, like back and forth with no break. Like you feel like you're going to die after. Um, so just mentally, even though you you don't get per se scientifically better cardio, um, I just feel like mentally having to deal with that every day where you feel like you're going to die, where you're redlining every single day, it gets you in a better mental state to prepare for it while you're training jiu-jitsu if you do have to go that distance. There we go. Nice right. solid answer there. I want to cue up the uh, Felipe Pena Tex Johnson match uh, that Gordon wanted to analyze for us if you want, Caleb. All right, so Gordon, walk us through this one. All right, let me move my face out of the way here. So Felipe pulls guard. Felipe uh, didn't look great in all of these matches. Um, I like his outfit. He had a match, I think, against he had a match, I think, against Baby Monster before this, and uh, he just barely beat him. He like scored in the last forty-five seconds or something. He what? He didn't look great. Um, and then he goes against Tex, and you know, I was there. I was just coming off my knee surgery, and uh, I had I had Felipe winning. Now his last performance, Nogi, before this was the ACB against, and he like submitted Lucas Barboza and a bunch of those guys, uh, a bunch of tough guys, uh, and he looked great. And then he came back for this one, and he was just looking, he looked off that night. Um, so I was like, okay, let's see how it goes. I, I saw him maybe losing after I watched him. I predicted him to win, and after I saw him competing, I was like, well, you know, maybe, uh, maybe uh, you know, Kainan's going to take it. I had either Felipe or Craig taking it, but. Um, and they were on opposite sides, but, uh, you know, I was like, you know, maybe, uh, maybe tonight's not his night. And then he put, he ends up in 50, 50 here and he tries to do the same misdirectional escape escape that he did to me, but he tries it from 50, 50 and he just puts himself in a heel hook. Like he just, he just unlocked his legs and put himself in a heel hook and then tried the same escape and just got his leg broken. Like he just <laughs> broke his own leg. I don't understand what was that. Like how, how's that happen? Can you replay that, uh, submission real quick, Caleb? Like, if you look at Tex, if you look at Texas hands, Tex does no does nothing to unlock Felipe's leg. Felipe just unlocks his own leg and puts his heel in a, he puts his foot in a heel hook. Like he, there wasn't anything special being done there by Tex. Like it wasn't like this intricate grip fight that happened where he separated his leg, separated his legs intelligently. Like Felipe just opened up his own legs. You see it right here. Felipe just unlocks his legs, and then. Tex puts a heel look at like there's, there's no grip break. Felipe just put himself in a heel look and tried to roll through and then got his leg broken. Like that was insane. So if you're, if you're coaching uh, Felipe there in the, in the 50, 50 with uh, Tex, what are you going to tell him to do? Well, he's got to come forward and fight the hands. Yeah. That's the issue with 50, 50 is when you're going with like, the rolling out is the worst thing you can do because then you go into a belly down break, which is way worse because you have all of Texas, you have the breaking mechanics plus the weight of Texas body on top of your leg. Um, you have to come forward and fight the hands and pull the hands down. Like what he did, everything he did was like the exact opposite response of what you would want to do if you wanted to escape. Nick, your opinion on that match? Uh, the best part was when, uh, after submission, when uh, Tex Johnson tried to hug Felipe when he was on the ground, and Felipe's like, get the fuck off me. That's, uh, <laughs> that's comedy right there. <laughs> Uh, all right, we can go on, move on from that one now. There's Gordon breaking down Felipe versus Tex. Uh, there's somebody has uh, actually somebody has been asking this question a few times. I wanted to get to oh this guy Leo 
says, Gordon, Danaher always talks about playing the dilemmas between different control positions that lead to submissions. Who else other than the DDS does this the best? Is there anybody outside of your team that you think is doing that properly? Um, Keenan definitely has uh, control positions that he uses within his own system that he has as Wormguard. He he plays a, a strong dilemma-based game. Like, for example, he threatens a sweep with the back take. If you defend one, you give up the other. Um, so there's definitely uh, there's definitely a dilemma-based series there. Um, outside of that, there's not too much, but the stuff he does with, uh, with the lapel um, is, is definitely a dilemma-based game. Um, I'm trying to think. Everyone else kind of just has, like, a series of tricks that they do. They have, like, you know, here's – Here's what I'm good at. Here's my game. A few tricks from certain positions, and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, then great. And then if it works, then great. Then if it doesn't, oh well. Um, but I, I think that Keenan's really the only one who can systematically tie up someone and play a dilemma-based game to get to a breakthrough. Um, everyone else just kind of has favorite moves from certain positions that they use, and they kind of go out and wing it. Mike, uh, what do we have here for the next asset then? No, that's it. We just had those two. Now just interview. Okay, okay, yeah. cool. Um, got about 30 minutes left then. Nick, do you have any matches that you want? Any Anybody out there? Uh, there's a lot of people you haven't fought <clears throat> so far. Who, who? What are some matches you want when things eventually um, start back up? Uh, i got to be honest. I like the UFC fighters. Uh, they got the most clout, so that's what I'm trying to do. Um, I think uh, I think anybody that – I really don't care, honestly. I'm, I'm trying to get my game to the point where it does not matter who I go against. So um, I'm just going to keep Johnson competing. Yeah, one. <laughs> Yeah, Gordon, yeah, Gordon what do you say? I said Nick and Anthony Johnson would be a good one. Just two enormous grapplers competing against each other. That would always be fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, somebody, he's a big asked, boy. somebody asked here, ADCC 2021, let's say hypothetically, Gordon beats Galval, Nick wins the absolute. What's going to happen in 2023 then? Then I got to fucking uh, kill him before we have to compete. He's going to have to cut a leg off or something, man. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Uh, f- figure out when the time comes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. You have to compete. I mean, Claudia had to compete against Andre. We ha- we'll have to compete, but, I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. Gordon, do you think they're going to let you do your weight? You think they're going to let you do your weight in 2021? Uh, I don't know yet. I hope so. I mean, there's a lot of things, a lot of pieces <laughs> moving here. I think most trying to get a bigger venue. They're trying to uh, – I think they're talking about adding a women's division maybe, trying to do something with the prize money. So, if they – there's a lot of things that people are asking for. People definitely wanted, uh, I know, especially the women were, you know, voicing their opinions on only having two weight women's divisions. And a lot of people now with Spider coming up and, uh, you know, giving out like $100,000 cash prizes. I think, uh, you know, a lot of people are calling for some increase in the, in the prize money. So there's definitely a lot of things that have to fall into place and get organized. Um, you know, they sold out the venue um, at, uh, you know, in California last year. So they're trying to move to a bigger venue now. It's going to be the biggest venue that, ADCC has ever had, I'm pretty sure. Um, well, maybe that's not true. Maybe in Abu Dhabi it was bigger, but um, it's going to be a huge venue at least, um, a lot bigger than the previous years. Uh, so once they get that figured out, um, if all goes well, I'm hoping they'll let me compete in 217 and uh, and the, the Super Fight of the Absolute. I think their main worry, I think they like the idea. Um, I think everyone likes the idea, but I think the main concern is that what happens if I do my division and I got hurt and then I can't do the Super Fight? Um, so there definitely are some concerns, but I mean, I'm always a slow starter. I actually prefer tournaments over super fights. I start 
very slow in my matches. And then like fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh match, I'm warmed up. So to have a couple of warm-up matches before I have to fight Galvao would actually be better for me. And I'll get to win another division, so another medal. So if Andre doesn't, uh, <laughs> if Andre retires and doesn't do that match, what do you think? Who do you think they would give you for the super fight? What do you think the option would be? So there's a lot of a lot of options here. Um, you know, obviously for a storyline, the the person would be Felipe. Um, but ADCC, I don't think likes to put someone who lost the super fight in as the super fight replacement because it kind of looks bad for ADCC because. Obviously, Felipe just lost, so if they, they put him in again, it kind of looks weak. Um, notoriously, when Superfight winners pulled out, they would put in like an older legend, um, like someone who is a generation before me. And there's not really a ton of people you can pick. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, if Hodger wanted to come back, Hodger would be the would be the, the biggest match ever um, for the biggest ADCC ever. But, I mean, he's said multiple times he's retired and, you know, can't you know help but respect that um i don't really know who they would opt to put in i think they would ask for my input and i think they would talk amongst amongst themselves and, and see what uh you know what's going to be the biggest draw what's going to be best for adcc uh i don't really know i don't have a preference uh I'll, I'll fight anybody but i don't really know what they would what they would uh decide nick uh gordon galval that's a pretty crazy match you know galval has been running the adcc super fight for a while gordon's obviously you know pound for pound guy right now Predict that match. Let, let us know how you think that one goes, Nick. Uh, I think it'd be entertaining. I mean, I could see Galvao. I could see it'd be a, a really big stand-up match. Um, you know, Gordy's got some good wrestling. Galvao's, Galvao's had some some really uh, you know good wrestling as well. Um, yeah, it'd probably be a scramble full uh, full match. Um, I definitely see you know Gordon coming out on top with a submission. It's just uh, it's hard to stop. You know, we have an answer. Gordon, especially especially Gordon, has an answer for for everything. So. Um, you know, whether it's on the feet or on the ground, uh, we're gonna, you know, he's gonna come out on top. Gordon, what's up with this? Uh, you had a, a instructional come out this, or not? I don't know. I don't know if I think you would call it an instructional. What's this Modolfo camp thing that came out? This this video of yours. Yeah, so it's basically just uh, it's just the raw footage of us of us training. Uh, I haven't explained it yet. I'm going to, and uh, who knows how long? A week, maybe or two. Uh, I'll do like a full post about it. Um, but right now it's just the raw footage. Kyan didn't want to be in it. And he wanted to have all the footage removed. Wonder why. Um, and uh, it'll, it's just basically us training the squad and uh, JT's in there and the Rotolos are in there as well. So it's just, just raw footage of us all, all training and uh, some of the wrestling like um, Steve Mako helping us, Kyle uh, Serm helping us like, Drill the moves. Henry was teaching the whole thing. Henry Cejudo taught all the wrestling, so it's some of him teaching in there as well, uh, coupled with uh, everybody training. How did it go when you roll with Kynan? Uh I played like an eighty percent. I would like trying like eighty um, percent most of the rounds. A couple of rounds, like we were going back and forth. He would try to learn some stuff, um, you know, play like a leg lock game with me. Um, but we, when we were both playing. When we were both trying to submit each other, uh, I would finish him like two or three times around, like pretty easily, in like five or six minute rounds. I think we were doing so, uh, it wasn't competitive in any capacity at all. Gordon, you've produced a lot of instructionals, uh, getting more and more creative with that, doing technical breakdowns, just straight up technique videos, and now some rolling footage. 
what's your kind of what's your favorite type of video to watch? I, I personally li- just like training rounds the best. That's why the Modolfo camp is pretty awesome for me. Um, I, I feel like you see people open up and they're a little more creative, much much different than a match. Uh, do you consume any media on your own, and, and what do you, what do you like to see? So, are you asking what's my favorite to watch for pleasure, as far as like jujitsu, or what's do you watch jujitsu for pleasure? I guess that's a separate question. I thought I'd be all business for you or, at this point. Or what is my favorite to watch <laughs> for watch business wise? I guess if you have if you have different answers for both, I'd love to hear hear both of them then. Um, so so what I watch like for jujitsu, like to study and like for when I'm like serious about watching tape. Um, the biggest issue that you encounter when you have like people teaching you stuff is that they teach things that they don't actually use in competition or what they teach is different than what they use in competition. Um, so for me, uh, when I'm watching YouTube tape, I always want to make sure that the person who's teaching me um, can actually perform the moves that they're teaching in competition. That's why when I ever, whenever I post something um, or like I'm, uh, I post like an analysis on my Instagram or whatever the case is, um, you can reference exactly what I'm doing in competition against the highest level guys in the world in my instructionals. So when I teach an instructional, you can, you can say, okay, well, here's volume three, clip seven, whatever the case is, and here's Gordon using it on you know, an ADCC world champion. And I think it's really important that the same things that I teach are the same things that I can actually, actually use in competition. So um, when you're watching Jiu-Jitsu to try to get better, obviously – you want to watch a combination of tape and instructionals to see what the person's doing, but you have to make sure that what they're teaching you is actually real stuff. Um, when I watch YouTube for pleasure, uh, I actually either prefer to watch people from our team do like real jujitsu, anyone who could actually submit to one, or to just watch something completely crazy like Nikki Rod just like suplexing someone for like 10 minutes straight, um, where there's no jujitsu that happens at all, but it's just fun to watch. So those are my two. Like the, 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 I'd rather watch like Nikki Rod like like scramble around and no moves actually be performed for like ten minutes than watch like ten guys than watch like a guy like guys like strategically try to grip fight from fifty fifty and score an advantage. That's like way more exciting for me. Yeah, Nick Nick doesn't uh, strategically fight too much. I mean, I remember at the BJ Fanatics you showed up and you asked me right before the tournament what the rules are, Nick. <laughs> yeah, ten minutes. I'm all in like, for no technique. <laughs> Nick, how much time do you uh, spend studying technique? Uh, well, when I'm in class, uh, I try to remember what they're doing, and then I really, ah, man, I gotta be honest, I really just go uh, go live, and we talk about how I fuck up live afterwards. Like I, I try to, I have really bad ADHD, so I try to I try to pay attention in class, kind of like school. Um, so I do my best to focus, try to absorb all the techniques. But uh, most of my uh, most of the things I use in competition, they never really stick with me. I get it's from the one on ones that I get with Gordon and Dan Hurst. So. Um, if you put me in a class with everybody, I'll fucking freak out and won't, won't remember anything. Uh, if you give me a one-on-one session, you know, I'll give you a, uh, a fucking gold medal eventually. Uh, a question I liked here in the comments a minute ago. Somebody was asking, uh, who are some of the lesser-known people at Henzo's that uh, give you guys trouble? Like somebody who's not a big-name competitor that you're like, man, this person's really good. They give you a good round. Dude, one of the best people I'm telling you that I've ever trained with is Jason Rao. Jason Rao. Yeah. <laughs> is someone who he just when it's time to compete he doesn't have like he does well but he doesn't do nearly as good as he should like jason rao should be able to beat like anybody else in the world like he's so good and gives me so much issues when we're training but just for some reason he hasn't been able to find that streak yet where he can go out and kill people in competition um but jason rao is a big one 
Um, obviously, any of the juniors um, that uh, that are coming up, like Ethan and Taza and Nick Ronan and those guys, like they have some success, but people don't really know who they are yet. Um, another any any one of John's old school black belts, like uh, like his uh, his black belt Doug, Brian Glick, um, Mike Jaramillo, all of his all of his old OG black belts who are still training, you know, every day are uh, are just hell to deal with. Yeah, Jason Rowell comes up a lot on this podcast. I feel like we've heard his name from a few different people. Craig, I think, mentioned him as well uh, as someone that's really tough. Uh, what do you think the disconnect is from doing so well in training? You know, he's, he's highly regarded by everybody there uh, and competition results. Yeah, it's it's kind of like for uh, it's kind of like for a while you heard about like JT being like a gym hero and Marcelo or uh, not Marcelo uh, Marillo being like a guy who's really tough in the gym but just never really had the, the competition success. Uh, it's the same with Jason Rowell. Um, the issue, you know, what I believe it to be is you have to have the confidence to transmit what you do in the, in the gym to what you do out on the mat. Um, like, for example, if me and Nikki Rock compete, if I know 10 moves and Nikki Rock only knows three moves, but when we go out to compete, I'm only confident enough to use one of my moves, but he's confident enough to use all three of his moves. Um, you know, he's going to have more success on the competition stage than I am. But if we train together because I know more moves, I'm going to win the match. I mean, it's just like Nick was talking about before, like he was wary of shooting because he wasn't confident enough. He wasn't, he was, he knew side work, had a good front headlock and he didn't want to get submitted, um, you know, when the last 30 seconds or whatever the case is, but having the confidence to be able to use your moves. Like I'm sure if Nicky Rod was I'm sure if he just would have shot a single and moved to a rear body lock, he would have just took Cyborg down and ended up getting his back. Um, but the question is, do you have the confidence to do on the competition mat what you do, uh, you know, every day in the in the training room? Very cool. Um, guys, I think we're just about running out of time here. Do you have anything else that you'd like to bring up? Uh, other than that, we'll we'll leave it to you to maybe give your your fans a message out there. Gotta go first, Nikki. Uh, yeah, what are we supposed to do again? Hey man, you got, you, got, you, got, you, got, you got a lot of fans out there. This just, is like just... literally every session at Henzo's. John teaches a move and Nikki Rock comes back. He doesn't even like ask a question about the move. He's like, what position are we supposed to be in? He's like doing cartwheels like behind the behind the group of people, like pacing back and forth. He's like eating a banana, John showing like an Ashigarami. <laughs> just uh it's send, too true. send your fans a message out there, Nikki. What do you want what do you want to tell people that, that love you out there? I uh, appreciate you guys, all, all your support. Appreciate you guys uh, that are following me. Make sure you check me out on YouTube, Nikki Rod All Access. And, uh, yeah, just keep keep up on Instagram, man. We post a bunch of stuff. And when we get back to competition, uh, we drop some dope videos for you guys. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to hopping back on the stage and uh, competing for y'all. Very cool. Gordon, you're up. Uh, you know, thanks for tuning in, guys. Um, I know last time there was a lot more analysis, you know, and tape study that we did, but I – I feel like I took all the time away from Craig. And I just talked about like the analysis of matches, and mine took way longer than Craig's. So I took way too much time, um, so I tried to let Nikki Rod do some of the talking today. Uh, but thanks for tuning in. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed it, and uh, stay safe, everybody. Uh, I'm gonna go. We got a little bit more time. I'm gonna go to a couple of fan questions here, real quick. Oh, great, great, great. Uh, one of them, right. this guy's asked a couple of times. He wants to know if you think it's possible to build a career on jujitsu being a part timer, having a job, and also training at the same time. Um, well, well, first question I would ask is number one, what are you doing to make up for the lost time of being at the gym physically? Um, like what are you doing mentally? Um, how much are you studying? Uh, how old are you? Um, if you're 
you know, 42 years old and you are doing jiu-jitsu part-time and you just started, no, I don't think it's possible to make a career out of it. Um, the good news is jiu-jitsu, obviously, you're going to have an easier time if you train full-time. Um, the good news is that jiu-jitsu is such an amateur sport compared to the rest of the sports and has all, only been around for you know a quarter or a tenth of the time as some of the other sports. Um, it's pretty easy to get successful in a short amount of time, and Nicky Rod's a perfect example of that. Um, there's always been an unspoken rule where everyone after ADCC and after Worlds would take like three to four months off of training. So people are really only training like part-time anyway. Um, so it's definitely, it definitely is possible to be, I'm not going to say you're going to be the greatest of all time. I'm not saying you're going to win Black Belt Worlds or ADCC multiple years in a row for a decade, um, but it's definitely possible to be competitive with the highest level guys being a part-timer. And I know multiple people, Brian Glick, um, is one of John's old school black belts. He's in his forties now. Doug is the same thing. He's almost 50. And he, these are guys who train part-time have always trained part-time are very, very successful businessmen outside of the mats. Um, and they've always been part-timers. They do this, you know, just for fun, just because they want to and are can train toe to toe, compete toe to toe with the best guys in the world. Um, they don't compete so often, so they're not used to competing. Um, but if you put them in the gym with anybody, they're, they're, they're world-class guys. The next one, I'll let, I'll let Nick uh, kick this one off. It says, what is your mental prep for competition? <clears throat> Flexing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Flexing yeah, on the mirror? <laughs> he just watches well, highlights of prep- himself before he goes out to, out to compete. <laughs> I, hurt, I hurt myself up with my own uh, videos, yeah. <laughs> um, so pretty much day of, I like, or same day as competition, I like, to, I like to get a training session in either in the morning or uh, at some point, uh, a couple hours before competition, I like to redline. I like to get like – Pretty, pretty tired, pretty gassed. That way, I kind of, in my mind, to get my first match out of the way, I'm already warmed up and my body's ready to go. I mean, as far as mentality goes, you know, I'm ready to go. So then I just uh, I chill all day, eat some fruit, and right up, right before I go out the competition, I, uh, I get a sweat going again, and I just I just go out there with the same mentality. You know, I'm still I'm still in the spot where I don't don't really have a, a super in depth game plan. Uh, I always want to take my opponent down, uh, get the side control, get the back, and get, just get to a dominant position where I can work my uh, my submissions. Um, so that still that game plan still goes for every single person that I see uh, until I de- develop leg locks. Um, that's going to be my go-to eventually. So yeah, just just the same thing, man. It's it's been working this thus far. So so why change it? I'm just uh, you know I have many more steps to go towards kind of mastering my style, and uh, until I do that, why change? What about you, Gordon? What do you do mentally on the day of a competition? I just fucking relax, man. Um, <laughs> for for me, uh, the key to competition, my competition success, is to normalize what competition is. Um, similar to if you tried to do um, an advanced math problem when you're all angry and frazzled, um, it's the same thing when I got to compete. If I'm, you know, very anxious or uh, if I'm super pumped up where I'm not really thinking and I'm kind of just living in the moment, I tend to forget about things and not do the moves I'm supposed to. Um, everything I'm doing, every every movement that you see me make when I'm competing is a rational thought. I'm thinking about what I'm doing the entire time. Um, and in order to think rationally, uh, I feel like I have to be calm throughout the entire match. So um, for me, it's just to normalize competition as much as I can and make it as close as possible to a normal day of training. And for me, the only way to really do that was just to compete as much as possible. Um, you know, white to black belt. I would just compete every weekend. 
that I could. And even now I like to be really active, um, competing, you know, one, two, three, four times a month, you know, even in December I competed three or four times. Um, so I like to stay active, um, and just normalize the whole competition experience. I'm sure Gordon would know more about this one, but I don't, this isn't really a question. This guy just says, talk about Henzo. I guess just describe, <laughs> describe Henzo a little bit. I mean, Henzo has an infinite amount of stories, pretty much about anything. Henzo and John both, anyone who's been in jiu-jitsu for like over 20 years just has like an infinite amount of stories that you can just sit around and tell all day about like any different part of the world, any different person. Um, and they're always super fun to be around. Uh, another question here. He wants to know your uh, opinion on rubber guard. What do you think about rubber guard? Um, so if you look, it's not really a matter of my opinion. It's a matter of statistics. Um, if you look at the success rubber guard has had in competition at the highest levels at black belt world level over the last decade, uh, it's pretty much been non-existent. Um, and the reason being mechanically, um, the two things you need to be successful from closed guard is our movement and angle. You need to be able to create movement so you can get your elbows, partner's elbows either separate from the body or across the center line to create submission opportunities, sweeping opportunities and back exposure. And the two things that rubber guard inhibit are movement and angle. Um, you pretty much, you essentially wedge yourself in place when you play a rubber guard. Um, so while it's good for controlling your partner and, you know, keeping them locked down for an amount of time, uh, it, it's pretty inefficient in actually exposing submissions because it inhibits two things that you need to be successful from, uh, successful from a closed guard, which are movement and angle. Gordon, we've had a few people uh, chime in here about workout advice from home. Nikki Rod already kind of gave his perspective on that, but we didn't hear from you yet. Uh, what are some like prison style workouts? Maybe you could you could uh, recommend to somebody. Yeah. So, you know, the basic, you know, uh, you know, push-ups and things like that. I actually have, uh, like this base blocks thing that, uh, one of my sponsors sent me. Um, and it's actually really functional. Like you can do dips on it. You can do all kinds of things you can do. I obviously can't do handstands on it, but you can do handstands on it. You can do dips. You can do L sits. You can do, uh, you can do a ton of different things on step ups. You can, there's a ton of different things you can do on this thing. Um, so I have that and it's pretty much like you can use it for incline, decline, pushups, all kinds of different things. So I've been using that a lot. Um, to do some some quick workouts at home. Gordon, what's your dad been up to on uh, on quarantine? What's Big Gordon been been doing over there? The same thing he's been doing for the last five five years. Um, first of all, he didn't even know that <clears throat> anyone was quarantined or that the coronavirus was affecting anybody until I told him about it. Um, and uh, he's just been hanging out, watching like Rambo two, uh, Sopranos. Uh, all kinds of Steven Seagal movies and eating ice cream. It's pretty much he just chills downstairs and hangs out. I got to do a Q and A with him on my Instagram. We got to like have people ask questions. I got to do that soon and have uh, everyone ask questions and then record his answers and post it. People will really like that. You know, he could make a, a quick guest appearance one day if you yeah. come back on Who's Number One. We <laughs> yeah. could have we could have Gordon. You know, I'd like to get him to break down some of your matches on here. That'd probably be pretty hilarious. Oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I want to ask you guys uh, something. I I wondered, uh, you guys, you guys train so much jujitsu. How much do you normally train when it's not lockdown time, Gordon? How many times in a day? Uh, so we do Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We do two sessions. Um, well, Nicky Rod does one because he lifts a lot more than me. Um, <clears throat> so he he'll he'll lift seven days a week. I'll lift like three to four times a week, and I'll take the extra jujitsu session. 
Um, so I do Monday, Wednesday, Friday, two sessions. And then uh, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, one session. And then I'll lift like three to four times a week. Nikki usually does seven days a week lifting and seven sessions a day, one a day for jiu-jitsu. So with all this training, okay, how much? Do, how much? How many calories are you guys putting in? How much are you eat, Nikki? Rod, how much do you eat in a day usually? All of it. I eat it all, man. Uh, um, I usually uh, I focus more on protein because I have like, so much of it. So I get uh, like one to one point four grams per pound, uh, which usually it's like two fifty to three to early three hundreds. I kind of I fluctuate because I'm not you know it's bulky season, not really too specific. But uh, yeah, I just make sure I get enough protein, and then everything else is uh, accessory. Um, I eat as uh, as I want. You know, I'll do carbs usually before pre and post practice and or lift. Um, and then just meat all the time, man. A lot, lots of, lots of meat, lots of protein. Um, yeah, pretty much whatever I want right now because I'm not competing. Uh, I can get as thick as possible because we don't have a weight limit for ADCC. So, uh, yeah, I, I eat it all, man. How about you, Gordon? What's your diet like? Uh, so for me, um, it's actually pretty interesting. Uh, I don't count my calories right now. What I've been doing, I remember, I don't know if you guys remember, I had like that that's those uh, like recurring staph infections mm. for like ever when I was, it was like 2018, I think. And because I took so much medicine to cure my staph infections, my stomach has literally never been the same since. So eating for me is like the hardest part of my job because I'm just always nauseous when I eat. I was never able to eat before training um, because I would always, it just would always fuck me. My stomach, oh, like Nikki has like a full 12 ounce steak before he comes to training and just like that's the hardest <laughs> session of his life. Like I was never able to do that. Um, but just eating a ton of food for me is, is difficult now because my stomach has never been the same since I got off the antibiotics. And no matter what I do, I just can't ever get better. Um, so right now, I just try to eat as much as I can and eat things that don't upset my stomach uh, and just try to make it through the day. I just go day to day, really. Some days it's better, some days it's worse. Um, so like to get weight, to like maintain my weight isn't super hard, but to gain weight, like to get over – I've been like stuck at like 215, 220 now for a while to get like up over 230 for me is super hard because I just can't eat anything without feeling like shit all the time. Somebody, uh, people keep asking what you, how you think Marcella would do if he came back. Marcella's coming on the show later this week with Bernardo. How do you think Marcella would do at, uh, if he came back right now against the 77 kilogram guys? Uh, I think he would do decent, but I think he would really struggle with the, uh, with the top level guys. Um, it's just a different era. I mean, all you can really ask from people is to be the best of their time. Uh, you know, Marcelo was going against guys who had no idea what, you know, X guard were like, you watch like his old clips and guys were, like trying to hop out of X guard. Like now people would just backstep. Like it's just a much different time. I mean, I, I have obviously don't know what his training has been like, um, but I know he has a family now. I know he runs a gym. So uh, has he been training like a, like a top level competitor for all the years he's been retired? Probably not. I mean, not to say that he hasn't been, but, um, you know, it's different when you retire and there's no more stress of being the best in the world. Um, so, you know, who really knows, uh, if I had to guess he would do decent against some guys, but I think he would struggle uh, a lot with like the top, the top of the food chain guys. I don't think he would be nearly as dominant today as he would be as he was when he was in his, when he was in his prime. All right. Uh, something that we did yesterday with Janji that was sort of funny. Uh, you guys got any, uh, everybody's at home, they're streaming so much, they're watching Netflix, all this stuff. You guys got any movies you've been watching, any shows you would recommend people to check out out there? Nick, I'll let you go first. Yeah, I just started Sopranos, and uh, uh, I'm like six episodes in, pretty hooked. You just started now. Sopranos? It's cool. 
Uh, yeah, I, so I watched bits and pieces, like uh, you know, when when it was on, my grand, my parents were watching it. So you know, back uh, back in the day, I, I, I've called a few a few uh, episodes, but yeah, I've just started it and uh, it's going well. I like I like it. You a gotta lot. go post up with up Gordon's dad over there. <laughs> yeah, I live up, up in, in my dad. My dad was watching The Sopranos yesterday. I gotta start watching it too. You never watched it, Gordon? Yeah. <laughs> I never watched it. No, I was like I don't know five when it came out. Like I was like a little kid. My parents were watching it. You guys are from New Jersey. I just figured that it was a requirement out there to watch that show. Yeah, I, I watched Jersey Shore. <laughs> our generation, like Jersey Shore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's our generation. Yeah. Gordon, anything you've been checking out besides Tiger King? Man, I need recommendations. We finished Tiger King, and now we're just watching like reruns of The Office because it's so good. Um, but like, if they, if anybody has any recommendations, I definitely need some for like Netflix series or movies that I should be watching um, because I'm like terrible at that stuff. I just I'm like, oh. Instead of searching, I'm just gonna put on something I already watched. That I just have I know what's happening, and I don't really have to pay attention. But for me, I just watch a lot of car videos. I like cars, so I like just watch like YouTube videos of cars and shit. All right, last question before we go. Uh, Say, so who was the last person to tap you, Gordon? The last person to tap me was uh, Nikki Rod, like last week, I believe. Oh, Nick, <laughs> you bastard! What did he get you with? Uh, uh, naked. Darts? Or was it a real rear that? naked or was he just choking your face? How did he do it? They definitely choked face. my face. People don't realize I get submitted all the time. Like it doesn't matter if I get submitted in training. Like I frequently put myself in like fully locked submissions and like try to get out. Like that's how you get better. And people are like, oh my god, does your brother ever submit you? I'm like, yeah, like every time we train. Of course he does. Like I don't tra- I don't I don't train to win. I compete to win. I train to get better. Mm. All right, guys. Thank you Preach. very much for calling in. Hey, I think we got to follow up on that. We got to get you and your dad on here and watch some matches with him, Gordon. I think that would be absolutely hilarious. Yeah, we, we definitely should, but I don't know if we should do it live. We might have to edit some of this shit. Out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, thank you guys so much for calling in. Really appreciate yeah. the time, thank as always. Uh, for viewers out there, stay on the 24 7 channel. We'll be running both Gordon and Nikki Ross documentaries from ADCC up next, leading off with the Black Belt Slayer. And uh, we'll see you guys on the next episode of Who's Number One tomorrow. Same time, same place. Who do we got, Michael? Tomorrow's uh, Guy Mendez. Uh, Friday will be Bernardo Faria and Marcelo Garcia. We have a, a, a big, crazy schedule coming up. Uh, Hodger Gracie's coming on next week with Braulio. There's cool. a, lot, a lot of good episodes. Eddie Bravo next week. So, yeah, a lot of good people coming on. All right, guys. Thank you all for tuning in. Stay safe and staying out there, and we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, guys. See you guys.